2: It's nice to have that experience before. I can teach other guys and help them along as well because um, even though it's the same team, we have a lot of new players. And so I'm excited to get these guys down there to get that experience. And at the end of the day, you want to win the game. So I just want to make sure those guys keep that in mind. The Super Bowl week special. It's a special week. Um, but it's not about being down there for the week of the Super Bowl. It's about winning the game. And I want guys to keep that at the front of mind. And so uh, enjoy it. Enjoy the whole entire week. But make sure you're prepared to go out there and play your best football as well.
1: You know, we're getting closer to the Super Bowl when they have the press conferences before the week full of press conferences that will happen in Phoenix. Basically, from the moment they arrive, it is one media availability after another. Every question possible will be asked. Most of them will be answered. We'll delve into all pressing issues currently in the NFL over the course of the next two hours here on PFT Live. Presented by Google Pixel. Learn more at GoogleStore.com. Hello to our audience watching on Peacock listening on Sirius XM 85 live on Fridays as far as I know on Sky Sports NFL and I've just asked for a flurry of emails telling me that we are indeed live on Sky Sports NFL and also hello to the podcast audience hello to Peter King it's a Peter King Friday as we sit here 9 days away from Super Bowl 57 hello Peter
3: Hey good morning Mike and I uh You know, so much happened this week, really. Sean Payton, Tom Brady, D'Amico Ryans, all that stuff. And I want to go back into a little bit of ancient history, okay? Ancient history that's five days old as we start our Friday show. And on that ancient history, I want to talk about standing outside the Kansas City locker room, Sunday night, waiting interminably for the locker room to be opened, and watching all of these players on this team both celebrate and uh, you know just sort of try to get through the mayhem of this post game and I'll tell you what struck me and this is so you know it's 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 not 180 degree difference, but it's probably 135 and that is you know, The NFL should see what I'm seeing right now. And every owner should see what I'm seeing right now. Because I bet there were 20 players who walked up from celebrating on the field or who I saw in the locker room who were in really tough shape. Like Juju Smith-Schuster. Just really not doing well. Limping badly. You know, and Mahomes obviously had his problems. But if you look at the receiver group of Kansas City at the end of that game, they were basically guys who three weeks ago, Andy Reid said, geez, I hope they're not in that game. You know, I mean, but they had to go to the absolute bottom of the roster. And kudos to Brett Veach for finding guys who can actually play and contribute on the biggest drives of your season. I don't, it's not about that, but here's what it's about, Mike. I just continue to think that it's beyond insane, first of all, that the NFL has a 17-game regular season. And at some point, you've said it for 100 years, the NFL is going to push to go to 18 games. And all I can say is this, you know, we are approaching a Super Bowl that is going to be tremendously fun. And here's what I hope. I had a former NFL team athletic trainer text me the other day and said, "What kind, of, what kind of shape right now do you think Mahomes and Hurts are in going into the Super Bowl?" I said, "Well, it's a blessing for them that they have two weeks because I can tell you flat out, Mahomes wasn't healthy. And remember, a week ago, Mike, a little more than a week ago, I stood with Patrick Mahomes or with Jalen Hurts rather after the Giants game." And I said, How are you? And he goes, Good enough. And, you know, he's at maybe 76% with his shoulder. And as I have said a hundred times since then, the least surprising press release to me sometime after this season will be the press release that says, Jalen hurts to undergo clean out procedure in right shoulder. So, and look, I'm not trying to throw a wet blanket on the game. I'm trying to say that. These games are massively injurious to players. And don't you want the absolute peak games of your season to have the best players in them? I do. Bengals had three offensive line linemen missing. The Eagles, relatively healthy. Lane Johnson isn't. And Jalen Hurts isn't. But you know what I'm saying, Mike. At some point, these owners should say to Roger Goodell you and us because we vote for it we are killing the golden goose we've killed it forever we must stand up and not allow whatever faction of owners who will want the 18 games no matter what the money is we've got to draw a line in the sand right now
1: and in fact I think they ought
3: to push it back to 16 but I doubt they will
1: yeah, they'll never go back. The question is, when will they make their move to go forward? The union would be presumably the frontline defense against further expansion of the regular season. But like they did several years ago, the union sees the breakdown. They see how much more money comes from simply taking one meaningless preseason game and morphing it into a meaningful regular season game, another weekend of TV, et cetera, et cetera. And the NFLPA went along with it. I mean, that's the bottom line. The players who collectively negotiate with the union under the auspices of the NFL Players Association agreed to 17 games. And will they hold the line or will they agree to 18 regular season games? That is the next question. And I don't know when they're going to make the push for that. Because, Peter, I thought as of a few years ago, the NFL recognized there's no way to reconcile player health and safety With this push for more, because that's when it all started. It was right around the same time frame that the NFL had its concussion epiphany that the commissioner was saying the preseason stinks, the preseason stinks. Oh, I have a solution. Fewer preseason games, more regular season games. And then it became obvious it was all about not the preseason stinking about the regular season being more golden eggs from the golden goose and they wanted to get as many of them as they possibly could and this gambling revenue that the nfl has realized will cause for more inventory a push for more inventory and you know the the push for more inventory could manifest itself in more teams frankly at some point that's one way to increase the number of games without increasing the number of weeks in a season but it's still out there it's still floating around, and hopefully they pay attention to the total attrition that teams experience through the course of a full season and a postseason, with now only one team per conference getting a bye. So all the other teams have to play that one extra game to get to the Super Bowl. But you mentioned the injuries to the quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes suffering the ankle injury in the divisional round win over the Jaguars. Jalen Hurts suffering the shoulder injury. Early mid-December against the Bears and missed a few weeks and has been playing. But as you say, he's not 100%. Here they are from yesterday's media availability talking about the current status of those injuries.
2: I just was generally sore, I think, from the game. and It was a physical game. I mean, my whole body was a little sore. So uh, I don't think I had any step backwards or anything like that. I know, like, re-aggravation of the ankle. Um, just uh The general, the little bit of pain I had playing with it. Uh, but other than that, I feel like I'm in a good spot. I'm, I'm getting there. You know, I've made it clear this whole time that it's been something that I've been dealing with and, you know, I'm getting there. Can you give us a number? I can't.
3: It's getting better. You feel like getting better?
2: What time?
1: It's funny how the quarterbacks have different overall demeanors. Patrick Mahomes is always the same. Never changes. And comes out and yeah, and plays as well if not better than anyone who's ever played. But boy, Jalen Hurts is locked in. He's dialed in. He he may need to to just relax a little bit. You still got 9 days before the game. He looks like he's ready to go play right now, Peter.
3: You know what, it's interesting. After that Giants game, I remember Uh, another writer, we were just talking, you know, in the, uh, you know, underneath the stadium after the press conferences. And uh, he said, man, Jalen Hurts just doesn't, doesn't really seem that happy. He's, he's kind of, he's kind of sullen. And I said, no, understand who Jalen Hurts is. Jalen Hurts has always been, you know, I'm reminded of this story one time that, Uh, Jason Garrett told me when he was the head coach of the Cowboys. Jason Garrett loved the New York Yankees. So one year, he's the coach of the Cowboys. This is the, you know, Jason uh, uh, is still coaching uh, Tony Romo, throwing to Jason Witten. And at the time, those two guys were the two leaders on his team. So he goes to Yankees spring training and he meets up with Derek Jeter. And he said, I got a question for you. The two leaders on my team are really, you know, that everybody looks to are Tony Romo and Jason Witten. And he said, I'm a little bit bothered. They never speak up. Very rarely do they say anything in front of the team. They might talk to individual guys. I said, does that, should I be bothered by that? And he said, Jeter smiled and said, hey, coach, you know how I lead? Everybody said, okay, Jeter's a leader. You know how I lead? I'm taking ground balls at 10 after 7 every morning when we are due into our facility at 8 a.m. And I want everybody who drives into our facility to look out on the field and say, oh, my God, Jeter's out there. And, you know, some of them will see it, some won't. But they know every day I'm out there putting in the extra work that it takes to win a World Series. And I'm reminded of that because I doubt sincerely that Jalen Hurts ever stands up in front of his team and gives him a Newt Rockney, you know, win one for the Gipper speech. Okay, he just, he's not that kind of guy. But... I'm reminded also of what Nick Sirianni told me earlier this season. He goes, you know, last Tuesday, they're getting ready to play the Jaguars. Okay? And he goes, you know, it's Tuesday night. The players' day off. It's 9 o'clock. We're finished up with the game plan. We're just putting the finishing touches. And there he is. He's in there just looking and, and seeing what he can get a head start on for Wednesday. And, you know, you got to tell the guy, will you please go home? You know, and, and, but everybody in the building knows that. And the last thing I'll say about Jalen Hurts. So after that Giants game, I'm foraging around the locker room just at, talking to people. And I spent 10 minutes maybe with Jason Kelsey. And I said, hey, I'm going to go talk to Jalen Hurts. I said, Give me a really good question. Give me a good topic that you know he will be really interested in, in talking about. And he and he thought and he really, Jason Kelsey's never at a loss for words. But he goes, I I honestly just can't think of one. He's just a worker. And he goes, I, I would define him, just the perfect word for him is stoic. And so you're not gonna get bubbly mahomes out of Jalen Hurts. That's just
1: who he is, and
3: his teammates love him for it.
1: And that was something he told me back after they beat the Steelers that he senses, and he stepped out of character, and he acknowledged he was stepping out of character and talking about himself. He acknowledges that his personality is spreading to the others on the team, and that's how you do it by example. There are different ways to lead you can lead by standing up and being the sheriff and giving the win one for the gipper speech which maybe you and i are the only ones who know what that means at this point play the piano but but you can also lead by showing up every day and setting the standard for everyone else it reminds me of the story rodney harrison tells showing up for work at the patriots facility going into the weight room at 7 a.m tom brady says good afternoon rodney so Rodney starts going earlier, gets there at 630. Tom Brady, good afternoon, Rodney. 6 a.m., good afternoon, Rodney. And then Rodney eventually said, I'm not going in any earlier than 6 o'clock. If Tom Brady wants to come in before 6, he can do it. I'm not matching that. But that's that's how you lead. You set the example, and others see it and say, well, if I want to be great, I better do the same thing. So both guys, great leaders in their own ways, and both guys, great quarterbacks. and. You know, this is an an item that I noticed people talking about immediately after the conference championships ended and the Super Bowl was locked in. The idea, and it's it's stunning to me, and I hadn't really thought about it. We're 35 years removed from the first time a black quarterback won a Super Bowl, Doug Williams, Super Bowl 22. That. Incredible 35-point outburst in the second quarter, down 10-0. Those were the days where if you were down 10-0 in the Super Bowl, it was just over. It was going to be 43-10 to by the time it was done. They came back and blew the doors off the Broncos. 35 years later, we have a Super Bowl with both quarterbacks starting in the game, black. Yesterday, both quarterbacks in their media availability, first one leading up to Super Bowl 57, discussed what that means to them. Have a listen to both Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, to be on the world stage um, and uh, have two black quarterbacks uh, starting in the Super Bowl, I think it's special. And I've learned more and more about the, the history of the black quarterback since I've been in this league. And uh, uh, the guys that came before me and, and Jalen set the stage for this. And now I'm just glad that we can kind of set the stage for guys that are uh, the kids that are coming up now. And so... Uh, uh, it'll be a great game uh, to, against two great teams and against another great quarterback. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to go out there and try to do what we can to, to win against a great team. Yeah, I think you've seen over over time, it's uh, whenever a guy like Doug Williams or uh, Michael Vick or Donovan McNabb go out and, and play great football, it gives other guys like me and Jalen chances to to have this uh, platform and have this spot on an uh, NFL team. And so if we can continue to to show that we can consistently be great. Um, I think it'll just continue to open doors, uh, for other kids growing up to, to follow their dreams and be a quarterback of the NFL team. And, uh, it's, uh, it's good that we have guys like Jalen on the other side, cause he's a great, a great person and obviously a great quarterback. Yeah, I think it's history. I think it's something that's worthy of being noted and it is history. You know, it's come a long way. I think there's only been seven um, African-American quarterbacks to play in the Super Bowl, So, um, To be the first for something is is pretty cool. So I know it'll be a good one. You
1: know, 30 years ago, the issue of black quarterbacks was a big problem for the NFL. It was obvious. It was conspicuous. Just like the coaching issue still is. 20 years ago, it was still kind of an issue. I think in the past 20 years, at some point, we've gotten to the point where for most coaches, if not all coaches and executives and owners, it's no longer an issue. I'd like to think it's no longer an issue. I am surprised. I would never really thought that we haven't had a Super Bowl with both starting quarterbacks black. But, okay, that's a first. And we acknowledge that. And maybe it's the last time we ever even talk about it. Maybe we're at the point where it just doesn't matter. It truly doesn't matter anymore. It's a non-issue. We've evolved to the point where... The teams don't care about those things like owners and coaches and GMs may have once done. And we know they once did 60s, 70s, 80s, uh, stereotypes that were wrong at the time. And we all realized, you know, how wrong they were and football moved past it. And and that's a good thing. And. And hopefully this is the last time, I don't want to say it's the last time it's ever discussed, but you you know my point. I just want it to be, and I think we've gotten to the point where it's a non-issue. And I think it is a non-issue. I hope it's a non-issue for the NFL's teams as of 2023.
3: It strikes me as very much a non-issue. When I heard about this, first of all, I didn't hear about it until about, I, I didn't even read or hear anything about it until about, one o'clock in the morning, you know, Sunday night, writing my column in Kansas City. And I said, oh, that's interesting. But I never really gave it a lot of thought. Um, here's, Here's what I think has happened in the NFL, Mike. And this is why I think eventually, eventually, the coaching situation will catch up. Okay. The reason why I think that people are going to just look at this logically right now and have no care whatsoever uh, about what color or what, what you might think of, let's say, a black quarterback or a white quarterback, is that time after time after time, the myths on both sides have been dispelled. Okay. And I guess specifically what I'm talking about is, you know, if you talk to Andy Reid about Patrick Mahomes, you would think you're talking to him about a PhD from MIT. And I'm exaggerating only slightly. It's Mahomes who wants to be challenged and who wants to do all the new things that... You might install just on Wednesday. Hey, let's practice that a couple of times. We can do that. Um, And I think it's the same thing with Jalen Hurts. When you talk to the, the coaches in Philadelphia, the sky is the limit with everything they can do. And, you know, Mike, I also refer to the fact that quarterbacks in college football today are... Obviously, they're, they're not stapled to the pocket like Manning and Brady were, okay? And look, Tom Brady proves that if you have a pocket quarterback who runs glacially, you can still win. You know, that's that's absolutely fine. You can win in a variety of ways. And I think what really makes these two quarterbacks great is that they can stay in the pocket, they can run Hurts a little bit better than Mahomes, I think. But in throwing on the run and in making mobility a huge part of their game, they are absolutely fantastic at it. And look, this reminds me a few years ago after Lamar Jackson won the MVP. I said to another general manager in the league, not, not in Baltimore. I said to another general manager in the league, said, you know, I said, man, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson's great, but don't you think that Baltimore is going to have to start emphasizing to him, man, stay in the pocket a little bit more and, and, you know, make your career last. You want to play 15 years, not nine. And this guy said to me, he goes, why if he can be a, a truly great player for eight to 10 years, and maybe miss some time along the way. Isn't that better than being an average quarterback and taking away the guy's legs? And I, I really started to think differently about that. And so, look, I think in this particular case, you know, I just think both of these quarterbacks can do multiple things very, very well. And no one now, no one that I even have heard a sideways anything in the last 10 years about the black quarterback issues, whatever they might be. I just think we are
1: going to be colorblind as much as possible at that position. Two points. As it relates to Lamar Jackson, look, I always think of the two Steves. Steve McNair, Steve Young. Both transitioned from relying on their legs to becoming pocket quarterbacks to prolong their careers. And there is a strategic decision that any quarterback who relies on mobility and running has to make at some point. If I want to play deep into my 30s, I have to be at a point where, When my legs inevitably start to fail, especially if I take a pounding, I can play the position a different way. Tom Brady played until he was 45 because, number one, his arm went nowhere, and number two, he got to the point where he didn't need any mobility whatsoever. Second, think of all the time we spent last Friday talking about the still lingering issues with the Brian Flores litigation, Steve Wilks involved in it, the... Clear problem the NFL still has when it comes to the race of coaches. And one of the responses I hear, Peter, consistently on the issue of who the coach is well, it's a meritocracy. They're just looking for the best. They're just looking for the best. Well, think about how warped the mindset was of the teams when. It was clearly a meritocracy in the 70s, and the 80s, and the 90s. It was a meritocracy. The idea was to win. Put your best players in the best positions to help you win. Think of all the guys. And the first name that comes to mind for me is one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen at any level of football. A guy named Major Harris, who was 30 years ahead of his time. Because Major Harris could do all the stuff that Patrick Mahomes does. Maybe not to the same level as Mahomes because he never got a chance. He never got a chance because he couldn't run the pro style offense. I mean, there was so much of that backward ass thinking baked into the game that people refused to embrace a big dose of meritocracy when it hit him in the face. We got a guy that, look at what he can do. Look at his film from when he played at West Virginia. Holy shit! Pardon me, I usually don't say that when we're live on Sky. Holy crap. We hopefully they bleeped it. But we you know, we take that, this skill set, which is unstoppable, and we make it part of our pro attack. We don't try to jam a square peg into a round hole. Oh sorry, you can't you can't operate from the pocket. Oh, sorry, nope, you're not making your reads. Oh, your your throwing motion is unconventional and he did have an unconventional throwing motion but it worked and that that's what that's my big regret we we were robbed of so many great quarterbacks think of how much we enjoy watching guys like Patrick Mahomes and i can't help but wonder how many players over the years could have been Patrick Mahomes before Patrick Mahomes but that that collective bias robbed all of us of some spectacular seasons from spectacular players who would have waltzed right into the Hall of Fame. It's the same thing in
3: baseball, only it happened, you know, two-thirds of a century ago. You know, it happened, like, before 1960, when obviously so many teams, and Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in 1947, but still there were teams very reticent at that time, you know, to, to sign and to promote... Uh, black ball players, and I think it was the same thing at the quarterback position. But Mike, you know what? I think it almost lasted till, and I think this was two thousand nine, right? Remember when the Miami Dolphins drafted Pat White in the second round, and they made him basically a wildcat quarterback? This was the the kind of the RPO before the RPO was founded, and you know. He and obviously that was a a failure. Either the Dolphins didn't stick to it, or you know it just didn't work for whatever reason. But you know the NFL has a really poor history in getting black quarterbacks to be on rosters and to be great over time. You go back to Marlon Briscoe in Denver, really, you know, in the early '60s. But it's a it's a poor history. And right now, I think it's not going to be a poor history anymore because teams understand, you know, look at, hey, hey Mike, here's the other thing I would say about this whole topic. Who do you want leading your team? I mean, Patrick Mahomes has the will of Tom Brady. Look at what he did last week. You know, all of his players gone. He said, we are not losing this bleepity bleep football game. You know, I, you know, and all of that stuff about whatever deficiencies black quarterbacks would might have that hopefully now have vanished forever, but were still there when I started covering football in the 80s, um, it's clear that we have seen over and over and over again. If you had a draft right now, you had a draft right now, and you asked, coaches around the league, and GMs around the league. Tell me this. Who'd be the top five quarterbacks pick? At the very least, Mahomes and Hurts would be in the top five. Then my guess is Burrow, Allen, Justin Herbert. That's just my guess, okay? But there's no question in my mind. I'll tell you what. Hurts would be in my top three. That's for darn sure. My top three would be... uh Mahomes, Burrow, and Hertz. But I think now the best quarterbacks in football, you've got to put black quarterbacks at the top of any list that you make. And I think that's a good
1: thing about football being made colorblind. When you mention Pat White, you throw right into my wheelhouse. So I do have to say something about Pat White. I was very invested in Pat White. And. I possibly have never even connected those dots until right now. He was supposed to be what Major Harris never got a chance to be. That's why I was invested in Pat White. He was the best West Virginia quarterback since Major Harris. The problem was he wasn't big enough, and he met Ike Taylor. Right. on a Sunday afternoon when the Dolphins played the Steelers and he got knocked out by Ike Taylor and that was it for Pat White and it's a shame. We never really got a chance to see what Pat White could be at the NFL level and we've talked about this as it relates to other smaller quarterbacks, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Tua Tonga-Vailoa now. you got to protect yourself against taking hits where the physics aren't on your side and White just wasn't he may have been almost as tall as Major Harris, but he just didn't have that that thickness to him like a Russell Wilson versus a Tua has where you just you've got that natural armor to protect you against taking the kind of hits you're going to get at the NFL level. So, it's a shame Pat White never got a chance to flourish, but it was different. For him, the opportunity was there. It was another reason that kept him from becoming what he could have been in the NFL. For Major Harris, he just he just never got A fair shake, and it it really is a shame. But the hope is that that's a non-issue now, and my hope is that at some point in my lifetime, the issue of bias in the hiring of coaches will be gone for good. And it may take a massive verdict, frankly, in the Brian Flores case, to ever get the NFL to that point. They may have to be dragged, kicking and screaming, with money falling out of their pockets, to finally change their ways when it comes to hiring coaches. Uh, Back to injury issues. You mentioned Juju Smith-Schuster. He's got the knee. Mecole Hardman, another Chiefs receiver who is in a contract year, so it's a very important playoff run for him. He's got a pelvis injury, unlikely to play, according to Coach Andy Reid. Between Smith-Schuster and Kadarius Toney, who's got an ankle and hamstring, Andy Reid is optimistic they'll be good to go. And one quick P.S. on that there was chatter this week about OBJ and there was a workout video and I never know what to make of the workout videos because like, Hey, there's a video of a guy running really fast. I don't know that that means he's ready to play football, but he's running really fast and it's impressive. The chief, I, th- I poked around whether or not the chiefs would take a flyer on OBJ, give him a tryout, put him on the practice squad. What the hell you're, you're diminished at the re- at the position and he's available. That's not going to happen. They're not going to do that. They're fine with the guys they have. They're big on the chemistry and the camaraderie and the familiarity. And it looks like they're going to have Smith Schuster, and Tony when they suit up nine days from now, Peter.
3: And rightfully so, Mike, because I think, you know, when I was watching that game the other day and looking at all the bottom of the depth chart guys, look, the one good thing that Patrick Mahomes has is he's got Justin Watson, who uh, is a little bit of a journeyman, but the Chiefs absolutely love him, and clearly – I'm sure we're regretting not having him active in that game late in the fourth quarter. He has become, even in his first year, a total security blanket for Patrick Mahomes. You know, it's funny. I look sometimes at all of these, you know, I'm still one who reads newspapers. So, you know, I saw in the paper the other day all of the odds on guys on both teams to score the first touchdown of the game. And I looked at Justin Watson and he was 75 to 1. And I said, if I bet on sports, that is a $20 bet for me yesterday. And look, if you ask me, do you think Justin Watson is going to score the first touchdown of the game? No, I don't. But I know the physical condition of this roster. And I know that Justin Watson is going to be important in this game. And I know that when uh, Patrick Mahomes goes back to pass and takes a snap at the opposition 20-yard line and he's looking to throw the ball into the end zone, he doesn't care if it's Fred Arbanis or Justin Watson who's out there. He is going to throw to the guy who's open. But, But, yeah, I... These are questions, like if you were to ask me what's big points in this game, I would say I want you to tell me in the second half of this game which Kansas City receivers are going to be healthy enough to be factors in this game because I think that makes it a huge impact on the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and look, we are one year removed from Tyreek Hill being the number one receiver of the Kansas City Chiefs, and what has it forced Patrick Mahomes to do? Go to the guy who's open. Don't try to force the ball to Tyreek Hill when he's blazing down the field, maybe double-covered, maybe you don't have the time to get rid of the football. He spreads it around. He throws it to the open guy, and that's why it was able to keep going last week. He didn't shy away from the injury replacements. He got to the point where he didn't have much of a choice. But it's not like all of a sudden he just said, screw it. I'm only throwing to Travis Kelsey. I don't trust these other guys. That's the key, and that's what I was talking about earlier as it relates to the camaraderie and the familiarity. Remember, I don't know if we talked about this on a day when you were on the show, Peter, but at some point this past year, Juju Smith-Schuster explained that one of the ways they worked on getting to know each other better was playing Call of Duty online where they talk in the headsets and they're, you know, that the, the yeah. very popular video game that has created issues for Kyler Murray unrelated to enhancing teammate camaraderie. But that was used by Patrick Mahomes as just another tool for developing the right bond with the guys that he goes out and plays with to the point where, you know, you get to that level of unspoken understanding of what a guy is going to do. And that's why I think you can plug these bottom of the roster guys in. into Patrick Mahomes, they're not bottom of the roster. He knows them as well as he knows the guys at the top of the depth chart.
3: Look, I, you know, Mike, back in training camp, I think I told this story on the air early in this season. But <clears throat> I saw a practice early in training camp that... You know, Andy Reid in practice a lot of times has kind of high speed practices. Um, He's not worried about anybody hitting anybody. This is a non contact practice, but there was coverage. And, you know, it was a lot of seven on seven stuff. And what was so interesting about this uh, practice is that I bet 75% of the throws that Patrick Mahomes made in this one practice. let's say 70, 70, were the guys who weren't on the team last year. And that's the whole idea. Hey, let's see what Sky Moore, the rookie from West Virginia, can do. Let's see what uh, Juju Smith-Schuster can do. And whereas Juju Smith-Schuster was a slot receiver in Pittsburgh almost exclusively toward the end of his career, he was everywhere in the offense. Uh, And then, obviously, Marquez Valdez, Scandling, So all of these new guys, Justin Watson, and I asked uh, Juju Smith-Schuster about it after practice. And when I say he had a smile on him as wide as Missouri, I, I mean, I'm barely exaggerating because he was so incredibly happy. He told me, hey, I'm not being pigeonholed here. I am running the entire root tree. I'm running everything in this offense. He loved it. And the reason why th- this was so significant is that Andy Reid knows, Eric Bieniemy knows, Matt Nagy back there knows that at some point during the season, you know what? Juju Smith-Schuster might have to play every receiver position. Sky Moore might have to play all over the map. All these guys... And so let's get them used to it in a fast-paced way. And look, I had a note in my column a couple of weeks ago that for all those who still think that, oh my God, imagine Kansas City now with Tyreek Hill. No, that's the bad way to look at it. And again, people are going to laugh and all that. They're better without Tyreek Hill. Because last year, Tyreek Hill was the very squeaky wheel. He was unhappy, wanted the new contract, wanted the ball more, all that stuff. And in Andy Reid's offense, you just throw to the open guy. And that's why this year, I think you, you ask, gee, why did Patrick Mahomes throw for so many more yards this year than last year? Because he played with a free mind. That's why. And that can be a very
1: powerful thing. You know it's funny at the time that Tyree Kill was traded and in the aftermath of the trade, there were comments made by him and others that Tyree Kill was never a problem, never went public, never, created an issue like Antonio Brown. No, he did all of his damage quietly. He did it all privately. They knew about it in the building. They didn't know about it outside of the building until he started talking about it over and over. And it became obvious that he had become a major pain in the butt for the Chiefs because he was constantly jostling and complaining. And my theory continues to be he saw what Cooper Cup was doing In 2021, and he thought I could do that too if I had more balls thrown my way. Because he still had a career high in catches and targets, but it wasn't enough. And the Chiefs made a great decision by deciding it was enough. It is enough. We're moving on and we're going to spread this around. We're going to make Patrick Mahomes the centerpiece, and it's worked pretty well. Let's go ahead and take a break. The Raiders trying to compete with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, upgrading, they hope, at quarterback in the offseason out with Derek Carr, will they actually be able to pull off a trade before February 15 when $40.4 million in future compensation becomes fully guaranteed? We'll discuss that when this Friday edition of PFT Live continues right after this.
3: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So,